Hey there, I'm Nicole Gilbert, and you've joined the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Are you new to sewing and want to start quilting but have no idea where to begin? Each Wednesday, join me as I share the ins and outs of that quilt life. If you don't have a sewing machine, have no idea how much fabric you need, or you're just trying to figure out where the heck to stick that bobbin, this is the podcast for you. Hey folks, Nicole here. Welcome to episode 52 of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Today, we are going back to the basics. You see, I was recently writing a quilt pattern, and it got me thinking about the anatomy of the quilt pattern, obviously, because I'm putting together this thing. I want to make sure I've got all the pieces, all the parts, and so I'm, you know, checking my boxes. And I'm thinking about, you know, what's included and what's not included and why is it not included. Um, And so I thought that's what we should chat about here today. You guys ready? Okay, let's get sewing. So first, let's actually run through uh, what is kind of in each quilt pattern. So I believe that, so here's the thing. I'm going to wind it back. Um, Quilt patterns are written by several different types of quilter. And I don't mean that in regards to traditional or modern. Uh, that's that's not what I mean by different types. What I mean by different types of quilters is that some quilter quilt patterns are written by uh, fabric designers. Some are written by uh, quilt pattern designers, like that's their thing. And that some are written by instructors like me. And so When you've got these three different groups of people who all love quilting, but they love different aspects of quilting, um, they're writing patterns. And while all patterns should include the same things, one, they don't. And that's not necessarily because one of those groups is better at it than another. Um, It's because it's kind of an unregulated industry if we're really talking about it. And so there are people who really know what they're doing, and then there are people who don't. And the issue of that for our newer quilters is that sometimes you use something and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is what it is, and it's so confusing, and I'm never going to be able to do that. And it's like, dude, the best quilters would have been confused by that because that person wasn't the greatest quilt pattern writer. You see? So uh, there's that. But also, and again, that was a little side note, uh, when you've got those three different groups, instructors, actual just straight-up pattern designers, and fabric designers, and they're all making quilt patterns, um, they have different intentions. So when I write my quilt patterns, the only quilt patterns I really write are for at, – at this point in time, you know, I never say never say never. But right now, the only quilt patterns I'm interested in writing are – are the ones that are released uh, for my students. Uh, So my quilt patterns, when I write them, they're intentional, meaning they are written in a way to teach somebody something or to demonstrate something. And that's how mine are written. Now, a fabric designer, one, the types of quilt patterns that they create 
almost always are designed that way in order to showcase the fabric that they're selling. Now, that can potentially mean that depending on the type of patterns or fabrics that they design, it could be really complicated because there's very specific techniques that highlight those uh, fabrics or they could be really simple because they just want to showcase the fabrics. Uh, But oftentimes, uh, those types of designers uh, make a lot of assumptions because for them, it's writing those patterns. Of course, they want you to enjoy it because the more you enjoy making quilts, the more stuff you buy. But their main purpose of creating that quilt pattern is to get you to buy more fabric not necessarily to get you to quilt more. I mean, they want you to quilt more so you buy more fabric, but really the straight line thing is they want you to buy more fabric. And that's not a bad thing. I'm a fabric hoarder. I love buying me some fabric. Definitely not a bad thing, but something to keep in mind. Uh, You know, I love Tula Pink. I love her fabric so much. I know you guys all know I'm obsessed with her. Um, However, I'm not a huge fan of some of her quilts. Some of them are really cool. Like right now, I'm kind of obsessed with Checkmate that she just came out with for uh, Curiouser and Curiouser. Um, However, because she does such large focal prints, a lot of her quilt patterns include like giant eight-inch squares in the middle. And that's not really my thing because I personally like more intricate piecing. That's like my thing. So I don't gravitate towards her quilt patterns, but I do gravitate towards her fabric because there's a lot of cool things I could do with it. So we want to keep that in mind. Now, people who just design quilt patterns um, are usually fantastic at it. They usually have something that is their signature, something that is their jam. Um, You know, I think of Emily Dennis, and she is wonderful at beginner-friendly Um, and budget-friendly quilt patterns. So her right now, I think she's in the middle of doing a series of quilt patterns that are all stash busters, meaning you can use the scraps you already have on hand and make some really stinking cute quilts. Uh, So very cool. Uh, There is um, uh, Lila Bell, Lila Bell. Oh, my gosh. I always – I always mispronounce the name. However, uh, fantastic paper piecer designer, paper piecing designer. Uh, sorry, my my brain is getting ahead of my mouth. Um, and oh my gosh, amazing, intricate paper piecing. Prudence is on my list to complete if you want to Google that and see. It's gorgeous. It truly is gorgeous. It's a work of art. Um I can't wait to see and try my hand at it. If you hear the squeaking that's going on in the background right now, I apologize. Um, I'm going to embarrass the crud out of my husband right now, but I have a favorite chair that I use in my studio that I kind of use for everything, and he had to do a teleconference, and he sat in my chair, and now it squeaks. Do with that what you will, just saying. Anyway, so there are different... Viewpoints. Now, those quilt pattern designers, they all have their different jam. Now, I find that the ones that are more beginner-friendly tend to have more information included in them. 
the ones that are a little bit more advanced, a little bit more intricate, there's a lot of assumptions. Now, pretty much every quilt pattern has some sort of um, assumption section, uh, which is hilarious because if you're explaining the assumption in the quilt pattern, then you don't really need to explain the assumption. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, a lot of them will, though, will just assume, well, this pattern is for somebody who knows how to do this, so I'm not going to explain how to do this at all. And so where that could be an issue is if you learn how to make half square triangles and you know how to do it in the two-in-one method and they're not telling you to do the two-in-one method and then you're like, whoa, what do I do with all this scrap or how do I trim this up or what am I supposed to do or now I don't have enough fabric or whoa, now I have too much fabric because I use the wrong method, um, that can be super frustrating. Now, that was like my little diatribe about different types of quilt pattern designers and and what you can kind of expect. But let's talk about the actual anatomy of a quilt pattern. So first and foremost, there's usually two photos. There's definitely one, but usually two of the completed quilts. Usually there's like, um, there's a flat, sometimes it's a digital representation and sometimes it's a photo of the actual sample that the designer um, created or commissioned for that uh, pattern. And so it's flat. You can see the entire quilt exactly what it looks like. And then the second photo, if there is a second photo, uh, usually there's a second photo if it is not a PDF, if it is a um, actual physical pattern that you're purchasing, there's a second photo usually. And it's on the back and it's a stylized version. So it's like in somebody's living room, in somebody's uh, bedroom, all pretty. You can't necessarily see the whole quilt because it's draped in a certain way or whatnot. But there's that photo. Now, those two photos are there for a reason. One, so that you can actually see what the heck you're going to be making. You, ne- you need that. And two, the stylized one, um, it's enticing. You're like, ooh, I want that. Oh, that would look good there. Oh, that's a great style. Because the stylized ver- portions give you more of a hint of how you would use it. I mean, nobody, most quilters don't need an excuse to start another quilt, but it definitely helps. Now, right past that section, the real, when we get into the steak and potatoes of the quilt pattern, you will have the materials required section. Now, these can be different depending on uh, the designer. Now, All quilt patterns will include the materials needed to make the quilt top. I mean, it would be asinine if it didn't. You need to know how much of the materials you need to make the quilt top. Now, here's the the caveat. That doesn't mean they've included all the materials to make the quilt. Some will include how much of the backing fabric you need. Some will include how much binding you need, not necessarily the length of the bias tape, but how much fabric you would need to create the binding. Um, And some even go as far as to say how much batting you'll need. So take note um, of of the actual description that they're giving you there. Um, Also to keep in mind is that uh, some designers, when they give you the amount of yardage you need for a particular fabric, will include overage. Like they're assuming you're going to mess up somewhere, 
good for them. I mean, I always appreciate that. Um, and then some are exact, which can be super frustrating uh, if you do mess up and then you've got the exact amount and now you're like, oh, crud. And then you go back and you get it and it's off of a different bolt and it's a slightly different color because that's what happens when things are dyed. Um, it, it can be a bummer, yo. Uh, so there's that. Um, you'll also – that'll be the first place where the pattern designer also is describing how they're going to refer to the fabric in the rest of the pattern. Sometimes they will refer to the fabric just by the color that they used in the in the uh, example. So it'll be like yellow, blue, dark pink, whatever. Sometimes it will be fabric one, fabric two, fabric three. Sometimes it'll be fabric A, fabric B, fabric C. Um, so we'll want to refer to that. And sometimes it's about placement. Sometimes it'll be background border, you know, so you have to kind of keep in mind because you're going to want to keep it straight. Now, if you are copying exactly how they did it, uh, meaning you see the picture and you're like, okay, awesome. Give me all this fabric. That's great. If you're not, you're going to, what I like to do is actually create a chart um, so that that way I can see, you know, their yellow is my blue. Their green is my magenta, you know, and and so on and so forth, so that that way I can always keep track uh, of what it is. Now, in the next section, it'll be cutting. So, in that section, the quilt pattern breaks down how to cut each fabric into the pieces for your quilt top. Um, now, again, this is one of those things where it depends on the type of of person who's writing the quilt top. You know, those who like to uh, do things for efficiency sake are going to uh, usually have you like cut strips and then subcut those strips so that it's, you know, it's faster, it's more assembly line style, and you make the most of your your fabric. Uh, but also at the cutting phase, you'll want to read ahead into the directions to see how they are having you construct it. So like, let's say, uh, let's use the half square triangle thing again. Let's say you make four in one half square triangles or whatever, or flying geese, let's do flying geese. Let's say you do four in one flying geese, but they have you doing, you know, one off flying geese. Now you're going to have more waste in one aspect and and the other and so versus the other and so the amount that they're asking you to cut might not actually be the amount you need or vice versa you might need more you might need less if you're not going to do things the way that they choose to do it and you might not because you're like dude yeah in this block I only need one flying geese unit but I need 16 so I could just make four four and one flying geese and my life is so much easier and it's quicker these are things that that's this is an assumption here. They're assuming this is how you like to do it, and you know that if you cut it this way, this is how it's going to be. So I always suggest reading a little bit ahead so that you understand what's going on. After the cutting section, you'll go on to the piecing section. Uh, this is where the pattern kind of breaks down how the quilt top should be sewn together. This is what I wanted you to read, especially in regards to uh, some pieces that have multiple ways that you can make them, uh, like half square triangles and flying geese. Um, uh, but 
this is kind of straightforward. Uh, usually there will be quite a few diagrams, especially when it comes to block construction um, and row construction, like how you put your rows together. Um, and this can also be a little bit confusing uh, because you'll want to really understand the terminology that's used. You know, they might say HST instead of half square triangle. They might say use SQ instead of square. Um, you know, there's there's going to be stuff like that. So, you, so these are more assumptions. They're going to assume that you know what these abbreviations are. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of quote patterns will end there. And if I'm being 100% honest, most of my quilt patterns end there. And that's because since I'm a quilt instructor and I'm using these patterns as instructional tools, this is a portion of the lesson. I'm taking the lesson on in a different manner for the the rest of the quilt proce process. Because even though you've created the quilt, the pattern is there to help you create the quilt top. The pattern is not necessarily there to make you help you make a quilt. So a lot of times it will say quilt and bind as desired. And that's it. And you're like, whoa, there's like a lot more to this. And you have to kind of figure it out yourself. Some will include the methods. You know, they won't give you instructions or tell you how to do it. But they'll include the methods they used in the pictured quilt sample. So it'll be like, you know long-armed with a pantograph by XYZ long-arm quilter. Or it will be like stitch in the ditch by da-da-da, two-inch bias tape, whatever, what have you. And so it'll give you kind of what they did, but not how they did it, uh, which could be a bummer. Uh, but like I said, I don't include that either. Uh, I do the whole as-desired thing, which may be frustrating for some people. However, um, I don't really believe it is because – you know, the next week in our classes, now I'm going over how to quilt. And so I'm 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 picking up where that, that quilt pattern left off. Uh but but some are like, you know what? Some pattern designers are like, you know what, I'm here to design the quilt top. I'm not here to make, help you make a whole quilt. So you should kind of know how to take those next steps. Um and so that's that's kind of where you have it with the anatomy of a quilt pattern. Now there's usually a footer section where it says the assumptions. So again, most, I think every single pattern I think I've ever seen says, you know, something along the lines of uh, assumes width of fabric is uh, 42 inches. Uh, just so that that way when you're saying cut a strip from the width of fabric, you know, a two inch strip by width of fabric, uh, they know that that's how much you're getting out of it. And then, then you could do the math. So if you're using a fat quarter, you're like, okay, so I actually need two 21 inch strips for this one with a fabric strip that they're asking me to cut you know so you can make those kind of adjustments if you're not actually using uh 42 inch uh, fabric and then uh sometimes especially the more beginner friendly patterns will include you know hst equals half square triangle sq equals square um Almost always it tells you what the seam allowance is. So assumes a, a quarter inch or scant quarter inch seam allowance. These are some assumptions. Now they're not always there. The assumptions are almost always different from one another. Uh, but uh, 
that's kind of that's kind of what you get there. Um, I know, guys, that was kind of a lot of information. And I feel a little rambly, but I think we're good there. Um, but, you know, I want you to think about your quilt patterns um, and think about all of these different things. And really, when you're looking at quilt patterns and doing them, remembering what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, so that that way, the next time you go look at a quilt pattern, you could be like, oh, this is like that again. Hated it. Not doing that quilt. Because I want everybody, like my goal, and I feel like I've been hitting this hammer hitting this nail with this hammer over and over and over again this year. But like joy, people, we're doing this for joy. And if you know that something is frustrating and you know that there's a way to to do the same thing but use something that's not frustrating, use something that's not frustrating, please. Uh, so, um, yeah, like just just know. And it's it's like a recipe. A quilt pattern is like a recipe. Uh, and different cooks do different things. When I asked my mom how to cook something, she says, I don't know. You take a little bit of this and then a pinch of that and you dump this can in and then you stir. And when it looks done, it's done. She's not a person you ask for a recipe from. At least I'm not. Because I am a person who is like, okay, I will usually, and my husband, this drives my husband crazy. I will usually follow a recipe to the T and then memorize the recipe, and then start doing it kind of like my mom, if I'm being 100% honest. So I will start with the recipe, and then after two or three times that I've made that recipe, I'll start doing it like my mom. I'll be like, oh, that's about how much you need. Oh, that's about how much you need. So I give her a lot of crap, but there, there's that. Um, but when you're reading a recipe the first time, you need to know if you're the kind of person who needs to know that it is going to be an eighth of a teaspoon, or if you're the kind of person who could be like, eh, just give it a little shake. That's all you need. That's about right. And that's what you're going to learn the more you look at different quilt patterns. As long as we always keep in mind that quilt patterns are written by human beings and human beings have different intentions, they make different assumptions, and uh, they're not wrong. They're just different. Okay? That sound good? All right, guys. You have just completed another episode of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Thank you for hanging out with me and make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now stop scrolling and start sewing.